Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 81st edition of the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did with the delightful Welsh mezzo-soprano Catherine Jenkins, who's believed to be the world's most successful classical singer and the biggest-selling classical artist of the century. My interview with her took place in late 2007, when she was about to release her fifth album, Rejoice. I began by asking Catherine about her six-album deal with Universal, the most lucrative in the UK's classical recording history, reportedly worth a million pounds. It's not sort of all of a sudden like, you know, I get a million pounds. It it was amazing to see um, such a big investment, um, you know, because I was literally just starting but also when I looked at all the other artists that they had at Universal Classics you know they had everyone I admired from you know Pavarotti and Bocelli and Bryn Terville, and it just it, it was it was quite sort of encouraging and it I thought wow you know they've got all these great singers and they want to make this sort of um you know investment in me and and I I kind of made me want to work a lot harder I think I'm right in saying this is your seventh album in three years is that right no. <laughs> well, I've had, I've, I've made, this is my fifth album in the UK, but I've also done sort of two slightly different versions of albums that have been used internationally. So there are sort of seven if you look at Amazon, but there's actually, this is the fifth one to be released in the UK. And it's been, I think it's a little bit more than three years. I, I signed my record deal in 2002 and the first one came out in 2003. And is it you or the record label who insist on the output and being so prolific? Um, I can think it's it's both of us, really. I mean, I really, really enjoy um, making albums. and I mean, they ask me if I'd like to make an album, and I always go in and and, and do a new one anyway. And I kind of feel like it's always been the right time because I I tour all the way throughout the year, you know, with my my concerts. And I like to choose the, the most popular songs of each of the albums and I do feel like it, it comes time if I can possibly fit in to to make a new album so I have new material to you know to go out to sing at my concert so I, I think I, I just really enjoy making albums I noticed one track on this one is um, the Shirley Bassey song I Who Have Nothing <laughs> yeah did you have any advice or response from her about it um, no I, I, I didn't I haven't I haven't actually um, talked to her about it I mean we're quite friendly I saw her recently at Julian McDonald's fashion show, um, but by that time I'd recorded it. And I just, she's, she's always been a, an inspiration to me. You know, she has an amazing voice. Um, and it was just one of those songs that I, I, just, I really wanted to do. I think it's a great song. Really, really, it's, it's full of drama. Yeah. And I want a piece on the album that was, you know, just pure drama. And uh, ever since your first album, you've been breaking records and, and winning awards and so on. How much does that mean to you? Do you sort of follow the chart progress of your albums and so on? Um, well, I think I think every artist, you know, wants you know wants people to um, to, to enjoy the album. I mean, that's my most important thing. I want people to to enjoy it, and I want that it's you know I hope that it you know means something to them. So, I mean, to see that so many people have gone out and bought it, you know, it always overwhelms me. And is your voice insured? And um, what lengths do you have to go to to preserve it? Um, no, I don't think my voice is insured, actually. It's not? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I know when I go to, you know, to places like um, Iraq, they sort of insure me for the time that I'm there and things like that. But I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do you go to great lengths to preserve? I mean, do you hate it when you're in a smoky room or something? Oh, yeah. 
I think you have to be very, very disciplined. And, and I, I realize I have such a responsibility now. You know, I never want to cancel a show. Um, I always want to make sure that I'm performing at my best. So I, I won't go anywhere smoky. Um, not that that's, you know, an issue anymore. Now the smoking bans come in, I'm very happy about that. Um, I can't really drink alcohol. I mean, I do, but it has to be, you know, with a good, a good week's gap between performances. So that doesn't happen very often, which means I don't drink very often. I can't eat dairy products. And when I'm singing, I can't eat spicy foods. Um, I have to just try and be as fit and healthy as I can be. So it does it does require a, a lot of discipline. But I love what I do. So, you know, it's just something that's, that's normal to me now. But do you ever do anything naughty because you just can't resist it? <laughs> like go to the fridge in the middle of the night and grab some ice cream or something that you're not supposed to Oh, well, to I could do that because I, you know, if, I'm, if, if I, when I get up in the morning, if I'm singing that night, then as I say from sort of the morning, I couldn't have sort of cereal yeah. with milk. Um, I eat, you know, I, I'll, I'll eat chocolate if I, you know, if I'm really feeling like it. I mean, usually I'll, I'll when it comes to things like diet, I'll eat, I'll eat what, I'm, what I feel like, but... Mm. When it comes to before a concert, I just, I'm really, really strict. I don't ever yeah. want to break that. And when whales are playing rugby, presumably you can't scream and shout at the TV. I, know that, I have or... to tell you that's the most frustrating thing, I think, is either going to go to watch the rugby and having to sit there. Because if, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm not singing afterwards, I'm a really animated rugby supporter. You know, I'll get up mm. and shout at the ref and, <laughs> and you know, boo and cheer and... And scream at the team, and 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 so yeah. When I can't do that, it's it. I really have to be restrained, and I do find that difficult. What is the worst thing you've ever shouted at a referee? <laughs> I want to hear what Catherine Jenkins shouts at referees. No, I don't. I don't ever. I don't ever. You know, get get nasty. But we'll. You know, we'll. I think Welsh supporters are very animated, so we'll usually we usually have a point of view on to whether that was fair or not fair. <laughs> but I don't ever. I don't ever get nasty. I don't ever shout obscenities. No, I'm usually there with my mum, and she'd kill me. <laughs> So have you recovered from Saturday's defeat? Oh, do you know what? I didn't see it because I was in Cyprus entertaining the troops and mm. I came, I was just coming back. So I didn't, I didn't actually see the match. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge disappointment. But I actually thought I was there, I went to watch the Australia match and I thought we played really, really well. We didn't win, but I thought we played really, really well. So it's a shame, but I am the mascot of the team, so... Um, I'm always positive about it. And um, Well, the independent know. newspaper today is suggesting you might reconsider your position as Welsh mascot, bearing in mind the coach has been sacked in the wake of the defeat. Do you think that is that the case? Is that what they said? Well, yeah, they're saying you may reconsider your position as mascot now that they've lost to win the World Cup. What do you think? Absolutely not. I'd never reconsider it. I mean, I'm just incredibly proud of being Welsh. I'm a genuine rugby fan, and... And as long as, you know, as long as they keep asking me to, to sing and, you know, be involved with them, then I will, for sure. It's got, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not a fair weather supporter. You know, I'll be there always. What's the greatest perk as the Welsh mascot? <laughs> I just think being able to, being able to lead the country in, in the national anthem, because I'm so proud yeah. of it. I think that's the best thing. But I also have, you know, I get to go and I get to go abroad and... Thing we were, you know, I did this Stade de France this year in um, in Paris yep. with a team, and I have a room named after me at the Millennium Stadium. Really? <laughs> yeah. What happens in that room? <laughs> to be honest, I think it's more of a function room. Okay. It's not my dressing room because I, <laughs> I always use the women's referee room for to, to get ready to go on. But oh. um, no, there is apparently I heard there is a, a function room named after me. <laughs> that's that's quite cool. <laughs>
I've just got to tell you, two years ago, I last went to Wales to Cardiff Rugby Club to interview a rugby legend named Barry John. Do you know yeah, who he yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asked me, as I was leaving, because I'd talked to him about some of the celebrities I'd interviewed, if I'd ever met you. And, uh, and I said I hadn't, but I hope to one day. And he said, well, if you ever do meet Catherine Jenkins, please tell her she's got the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. Oh. And I love her, he said. <laughs> I can't believe Barry John said that. He did? <laughs> I'm blushing. Oh. Well, there you are. Have well, you ever seen him? What a seen legend. Him? What a legend he is. Uh, you're about to tour with Darcy Bustle. Yeah. How will that work? We created a show together because we've sort of been friends for a couple of years and I knew she was going to leave the Royal Ballet. So we thought about, the first idea was to create a show with dance and music. And then we were talking about sort of our inspirations and the idea that every artist in the world, no matter who you ask, will be able to say there was a point at which it was, they were inspired by another artist to do what mm. they do. So it's a chance for us to pay tribute to all the divas that have inspired us. And when Darcy was telling me hers, you know, there's obviously the sort of the, the straightforward ballet um, inspirations, but there were also some sort of really off-the-wall ones that I never expected, and the same with me. So we just thought that would make a really interesting concept for a show. So will you be dancing and Darcy singing? Maybe. Really? <laughs> will we see you doing ballet? You won't see me doing ballet, but, but I might be doing other styles of dance. Ah. How much time do you spend keeping yourself in shape, and what sort of things do you do to um, to do that? Um, at the moment, I'm doing a lot because I'm in training for the show, um, and I've never been. I mean, I've always been quite, um, you know, very conscious to be healthy, but never like this because I'm now have to dance and sing at the same time. So I'm actually doing a lot of classes. I have a trainer, and. And, yeah, I'm spending quite a lot of time just getting myself in the right physical condition for the show. Now, when Darcy took her last bow with the Royal Ballet a couple of months ago, she couldn't stop crying. I know, bless her. What state were you in watching her? I, was, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. Um, I, think, I think, you know, I, and I, why we get on so well is we both have this sort of, you know, very strong discipline and, you know, we... We both love what we do, and I, whenever I, you know, what I know of Darcy, she's a very together person. Um, you know, she's very strong, um, you, you know, within herself. And then to see her up on the stage being so distraught, it really devastated me. I was sitting with her, you know, her friends and family, and um, I just wanted to get up on the stage and go and cuddle her because she was in such a mess. But I felt very, very honoured to be there to witness her last performance and also it's kind of it's set a standard you know we, we seeing her that night seeing how amazing she is you know we have to create a, a really world-class show how many handkerchiefs did you go through <laughs> oh, i was in a real state i promise you, it was awful oh. it was it, i think but i don't think there was a dry eye in the house that mm. night do you think part of your connection with darcy is that you are both excelling at the top of your fields and it's very difficult for most people to relate to that and yet you two obviously can um yeah, I, I think I think there's there's something in that. I think as well we both we both tried in our own way to to take um, our genres to a wider audience. Um, so I think you know Darcy's very much she's she's done a lot for ballet, um, and and I think we both still feel like we have you know a long way to go with that. So um, I guess we we think alike, and that helps as well. And the show you're doing is Viva la Diva. Yes. How do you feel about the way the word diva has become 
come to mean a difficult and demanding female star. I know it's so. I mean, I've I've always thought of the word diva as to, you know, I immediately think of Maria Callas. Yeah. And, and I think of you know really the word is is a you know a strong, independent, talented. It's 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 a positive thing, but to you know nowadays it's mean somebody who throws a tantrum and and I just think that's really. It's really sad, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I much prefer the positive on the words. Being totally honest, have you ever caught yourself behaving in a diva-like way that you later regretted? Um, honestly, I could, don't think I could be a diva if I tried. I, keep, oh. I was actually joking about this earlier, and I, I, I think people would like to... I don't know people. I don't know if they expect, because of the style of music I do, yeah. or, or if people would just, I don't know, maybe like to see me throw a diva tantrum, but I just don't think I could do it. My mum oh. would kill me. And I just, I just don't think I'm capable. I don't really understand why that, why it's necessary to act that way. Have you ever and seen another celebrity act yes, that way? Yeah, I have. Oh, go on. Who? No, I'm not saying. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've seen it a lot, and um, and of my experience, the most talented people I've met in the world of entertainment have been the nicest people, yeah. and they are the people who don't need to throw tantrums. Yeah. And when you've met VIPs like the Queen, have you ever made any faux pas? Um, well, when I, <laughs> I, went, I was invited to lunch at um, Buckingham Palace. As you do. Um, I know. How <laughs> wonderful is that? <laughs> and there were only there were six guests and the Duke of Edinburgh and the Queen. And we were sort of all the guests were put in a little room to have a little drinks reception before they arrived. And the corgis ran in. And I just, I love dogs. I'm obsessed with dogs. So I was on the floor playing with the dogs, and all of a sudden I looked up and the queen was standing there. <laughs> so I don't think that was really the way to greet somebody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but she, she obviously loves dogs as well, so I think she understood. Oh, I love dogs. Now, you've guested on all sorts of different TV programmes. What's been the most bizarre? Um, the most bizarre, I think, would be in Japan. Because you never know what's going to happen with live TV in Japan, and I was singing, um, I was singing "Amazing Grace," and um, you know it's a very emotional song. I think "Amazing yeah. Grace," and then right at the end, nobody told me this. Behind me on the set, there was sort of two saloon, like a saloon door thing, mm -hmm. and you know, have you seen the, the ice? You ever seen ice? Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. You know the the character over there that got the sort of the long neck and the big. Yeah. Well, a guy with a, with a full-on suit dressed like that, and in the last verse of Amazing Grace, burst through the saloon doors and started dancing around behind me. <laughs> Nobody told me I didn't know how to act. I didn't know if I should keep singing because the audience were laughing at him. Oh. I, I mean, it was very crazy. And you recently appeared in Emmerdale. Um, what was your most memorable moment in that? Um, I think, you know, just the, the first drive through, um, in, you know, into on you know into the village and seeing the wool pack and i mean it was all very memorable the reason i, I chose to do it was i'd, I'd met the emmerdale cast yeah. um at a, a benefit for the anthony nolan trust and then stayed in touch and then they invited me and my my grandmother died and my nana died in september last year and her favorite show of all time was emmerdale so when i got asked to do it i thought gosh I, you know even from going to sing for the Queen and all that, so I think she'd have been most proud of me being in Emmerdale. Oh. <laughs> so that's why I decided to do it. And I was playing myself, so, it, you know, it's, m it's much easier. I, I don't think I would have been able to do it if I was asked to play a part, because I, I don't really have an interest in being an actress. Really? But ha have many acting offers come your way in the last few years? Yes. Actually, surprisingly, we get quite a lot of things. <laughs> Some things from Hollywood to go and do little parts in films, and um, I just... 
you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate that I get so many lovely offers for singing right now, and that's what I love to do. And I, and I, I don't have time to do all the singing things that I get offered, so I really want to concentrate on that. But it, would there be a role that you just couldn't resist, do you think, if you were asked to be a Bond girl or something? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. Maybe the only thing I can think of is maybe if they were going to do, um, you know, like uh, a musical film. Right. Uh, you know, something like a film with opera in it or, mm. or some sort of musical that I would want to do. Yeah. Darcy was asked to be a Bond girl. Was she? Yeah, I asked her about it. She told me about it in an interview. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, there you are. Um, and have you been asked to do any photo shoots for the lads, Mags, as sort of lots of young ladies in the entertainment industry are these days? Yes. Yes, I've been asked to do... I've, I've, I've had um, invites to be on the cover of a few of those. And? Um, no, never. I should say never, for sure. Why is that, then? <laughs> just, I just don't think I, I, I need to do it. I don't have an interest in doing it. Um, it's not my... You know, it's, it's, just, it's just not my thing. I... Yeah, I, I don't feel like I need to do it. It's not really relevant to what I do. And, as I've said already, my mum would kill me. <laughs> and she really would kill me. <laughs> it's interesting you say it's not really relevant. And I mean, How do you feel about the raunchy side to classical music as displayed by the likes of Vanessa May and Bond and so on? Do you think sex should sell classical music too? That's, that's a hard question. I think that... It's been a good thing that in the last few years the face of classical music has changed. I think that was necessary because when I first started singing, I was always getting, you know, you can't you can't be a classical singer. You know, I thought you had to be 25 stone, and all that. You know, you thought you had to be you know hugely overweight and all this mm. sort of stuff. And it's only for posh people or rich people. And and I do think there was a really really it sort of had, it didn't have a very welcoming image. Mm. Um, and so I think that a lot has been done about that. You know, with people like Il Devo. Juan Diego Flores, you know, young young um, artists, you know, who you can relate to. I think that's a good thing. I hope that it never gets to the point where it's sort of, you know, like in pop music where sometimes, you know, the image is as important or sometimes more important. So I hope it never gets to that point. But how do you feel when you see, like, Vanessa May playing the violin in the water with just a negligee on and things like that? I mean, do you find that really cringy? Or are you going to be diplomatic now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. I think it's great to have a young image, but I, I mean, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think I would ever want to make my image raunchy. How much of a relief was it when you stopped being compared to Charlotte Church? <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the whole thing was. I mean, I love Charlotte, and we. It was great that we, you know, we are now friends, and we've been friends for for a, a couple of years. But you know, when I first came, when I first came out, everyone was sort of saying that we were arch enemies and we'd never met. And and I understood the comparisons because we're both, you know, we're both Welsh and both young and both doing the classical music. And I, I, you know, I always thought that was a compliment because she's been incredibly successful. Um, what I didn't like was, you know, when they kept saying that we were. You know, we're enemies, and we hadn't even met, and now we're friends. So we've we've got um we've got a pact between us that if we ever read anything that you know that one of us has said about the other that's not nice, we know it's been made up by a genius because we would never say that. Did you send her anything when the baby was born? No, but I am going to get in touch with her. Right. I'm actually going down to Wales on um, on Thursday, so I'll, I'll get in touch with her then. Now, in recent years, she's appeared to have sort of rebelled against her sort of classical music straight-laced image. Have you ever felt like rebelling, and, and if so, in what ways? Um, I don't really see like I have anything to rebel against. 
because I, you know, I love what I do and all the choices, you know, that I that, that I have to make in being so disciplined, you know, that's that's a part that that enables me to go out and, and you know do what I do well. So um, I don't think I have anything to rebel. Uh, I think as well what what's, what I how I've been lucky is, you know, I got my record deal a little bit later on, oh. and um, therefore I feel like I've. You know, I've I've done the student thing, and I've been yeah. out, and and I, um, you know, I've done it, and I I don't miss it. So mm. I think I've had a little chance to to live as well. But is it quite hard to live up to the sort of respectable, squeaky image that you do have? Um. I mean, do you occasionally just want to turn around and say, "Fucking hell" or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I honestly think that you know I'm um I've I had good advice from the start, which was you know to try and always be yourself. So. Yes. Um, I've not had to. I've not. I don't feel like I'm pretending to be anything. So I guess if that's the, you know, if that if that's the case, and this is, I mean, I have to be incredibly clean living and yeah. and focused, and that's like I said, that's absolutely fine with me right now. And I've pl- I have plenty of time, you know. <laughs> but what's the most? What's the naughtiest or most outrageous thing you've ever done in your life? <laughs> the naughtiest or most outrageous thing. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. You must have done something wrong in your life. <laughs> of course, I think every. Of course, everyone does. You know, I fully know what it what it feels like to go out and, you know, I've had one too many and feel mm. worse for you know worse for wear the next day. Of course, like, you know, I'm 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 also very normal. So I've done yeah. what everyone else has done. <laughs> have you sort of ended up face down in the gutter though? With no, not in the gutter. No. <laughs> <laughs> God. How much of what you say and do is con- in consideration of your audience or fans? Um, a, a lot, because I have, you know, I, I feel like I have um, a lot of responsibility to them, and and also, you know, I, you know, re- respect. I think I have to, I always have to think of them, and and also, I get a lot of letters from people who write, and they've sort of said, you know, listening to your album has helped me get through losing my mum, or you know, my husband having cancer oh. you know and I, I actually do read all my fan mail and oh. respond to it personally and i think reading stuff like that is for me often a reality check so you you suddenly realize you know wow i didn't realize it was having such an impact and it makes me you know it makes me feel that responsibility even more i don't ever want to um ever let anybody down has charlotte ever given you any advice on dealing with fame I guess by example in that you know she's very much her own person as well and um you know what you see with Charlotte is what you get you know and I that's how I feel as well you know I'm I'm not I'm not living a, an image that's been created by a record company this is this is me and I think she's very much like that as well and she's very down to earth now so far you've always insisted that you'll never switch to to pop and to rock music yeah um, might you change your mind about that one day or do you see this that never happening I definitely wouldn't say I would do rock music and I just um, I mean I think when I think of pop music I think you know I'm never going to go and do sort of you know become a, a Britney or anything like that it's just not it's just not what, what I would like to do I love you know the type of music I do now is what you know what moves me and what inspires me and I completely appreciate you know other people that do that um, you know I, I listen to all types of music and, and love it so um, it's just it's just not me and I don't think I'd be a very I don't think I'd be a very good pop star. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think I'd be very good. I don't. I don't. You don't, I don't take know drugs. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's not. I don't know. There's just. 
I, don't, I have no idea. Don't worry. You're currently uh, 83rd in the Sunday Times Rich List, apparently. Oh, well, I can't how, read everything. How, I believe everything you read in the papers. How hard's that been to believe, considering the background you've come from? Well, yeah, I mean, I come from a very normal background in, in, in South Wales, where, you know, my my mum went out to work and my dad was my dad was the house husband and you know they were in no way well off and they actually whatever spare money they had they gave me for my for my lessons and yeah. things like that so it's really nice to be in a position where I can now look after my mum you know if my dad's not alive so yeah. I would look after him too but yeah. you know to be look after, to be able to look after my family and make sure that they you know they're happy and yeah that, that I mean that that's obviously a nice thing to be able to do it's often said that all Welsh people can sing. Is that true of past generations of your family? Well, um, everyone in my family can sing, and they've at some point or other been in the church choir. And in actual fact, my grandmother on my father's side, um, she died before I was born, but I was, I'm told by many people that she was a mezzo-soprano soloist in the local chapel. So, I mean, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something in the, there, mm. but... Um, Oh no, my, my whole family likes to think they can sing. Uh. <laughs> if there's a family party, they're all you know they'll all get up and do a bit of sing star on the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were young, did anyone predict you'd be a star one day? Yes, I mean lots of family friends, like right. my friend um, Mr. Norton, Chris Norton, I call him, but Mr. Norton when I was little, and um, and a lot of you know sort of a lot of my mum's friends would say they you know, they expected they kept, I want to be on This Is Your Life. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? So you probably will be soon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> They're bringing it back. Um, when you appeared in musicals at school, were you always the lead role? Um, I was, I mean, yeah, I did, I did two in my fourth and fifth year of Comprehensive, and I was the second lead in the fourth year and the, yeah, the main lead in the fifth year, yeah. Was that Calamity Jane, wasn't it? Calamity Jane, yeah, I played yeah. Sarah. Uh, Katie. Is it true that as a chorister you shattered a chandelier? It wasn't as a chorist. It was when I was eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I was singing. Um, I was singing with my college choir, but I was a soloist singing "Our Holy Night." And when I hit the high note, there was this huge bang. And it was in a more of a recital hall than a the theatre. Right. So there was no curtains, and the audience were, you know, just below. Um, and there's this huge bang, and all these little pieces of glass started coming down from the ceiling, and I realised I'd shattered the chandelier on the top note. Did, did you have to pay for it? Did they send you an invoice? <laughs> No, they didn't, but maybe we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> uh, but did you get to keep any of it as a souvenir? Because it's quite an achievement, isn't oh, it? Oh, gosh, I, you know, I didn't. I, I think when you when you learn to sing, it's always about, you know, the show must go on, and if anything mm. wrong happens, you've got to, you know, you shouldn't show the audience, because there might be that one person that didn't realise. Mm. <laughs> so I carried on singing, and then, you know, we went off and we laughed about it. I thought it was just a myth that uh, singers could do that, but it's No, true. you can it, you can do it, but apparently it's something to do with the sort of frequency of the note, and it mm. has to be... You know, that has to go with the type of glass or whatever. But, I mean, one day I would like to spend some time just practicing to see if I could do it, you know, as my party trick. I oh, mean, that fantastic. would be an amazing party trick, yeah. isn't it? So Yuri Geller could bend the spoons and you could break the glasses. <laughs> um, how did your contemporaries at school feel about your singing talents? Were you teased or bullied at all? Um, no, I have to say, um, I'm amazed that I, that I kind of wasn't in some ways because I was, you know... It, it really is not sort of the the norm thing, is it, for, you know, teenagers. I, I, I was often asked to get up and sing solos in assembly in front of my year group, and that that's a very daunting thing. But I'm not sure if it's maybe as well being a Welsh thing, you know, 
Mm. We do appreciate singing, and we, you know, everyone loves to sing. So I guess yeah. everyone was really encouraging, which is you know, which is amazing. I think, and I'm really grateful for that. You mentioned a minute ago losing your dad when you were 15. Um, what effect did that have on your outlook on life? Do you think it had a huge impact on the way I, I think about life? In that, I think you've you've got to live for the moment, and you've got to pursue your dreams. And my dad was very much you know so somebody that made me believe that he said but it was all my dad made me think he like he had no doubt in his mind that i would get there but that it had to be down to my hard work and my discipline um so you know he made me really believe that but i think when you lose somebody close to you you know it, it just it makes you just think about life you know i don't like to argue with people i don't you know i never let the sun go down an argument you never know what's going to happen um but it's made me want to go out and achieve it not only for myself but for my dad because i knew he always believed in me and did he ever say anything to you that's kept you going in times of difficulty? Um, I always think of he was a really funny man. And, um, and I just think that I just try and laugh whenever mm. something, you know, whenever something's trying to get me down or I'm in a situation I don't know how to handle. Always try and get through it with laughter and with humour. Um, but I also feel like he's with me. Yeah. You know, I think definitely somebody's guiding me. So if I'm having, the first time I did the Sydney Opera House was a very emotional concert for me because... My dad had spent a lot of time in Australia, right. and he wanted us to go out there as a family. And so to be there on my own was very emotional. And I, I, you know, I had a word with him and said, "Please, please, Dad, get me through this tonight." Mm. So I feel like he's with me, and I feel like I can talk, you know, can talk to him. How hard has it been experiencing such incredible success, knowing he's never lived to see it? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there are part, there are there are times when, um, you know, I miss him so badly, um, but also. I love the fact that, you know, with every album I make, I dedicate it to him. And, you know, when I win my Brit, Award, when I won my Brit Awards, you know, I, I'll, I'll get up and say, you know, this one's for Dad. And, and it, for me, it's sort of, you know, it's just showing the fact that he's always going to be here with me. You know, and he's always going to be in my, in my thoughts and in my heart. And, um, and, but I, I honestly feel like he's with me anyway. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a funny feeling. With your mum and your sister, what are their names, ages and occupations? Um, my mother is 56, and um, her name is Susan Jenkins, and she's a mammographer in breast cancer. And my sister's name is Laura, and she's 25. And King, she's a, consult, uh, a consultant for um, a firm in London. Okay, so did you buy your mum a nice place when you got successful? I helped to buy my mum a new house, yeah. Oh. And how much evidence of your career is there in your home? <laughs> In my house, my mum says, because well, it's completely either. different. I imagine there's lots of pride there, though. You must be um, lots of posters. My, my mum, in my mum's house, yeah, you know, she's a typical mum, so she's got, she's got all my discs up on the wall, and you know, photos of me with different people. Um, and she's mostly, you know, she's got, it, but it's quite equal. I mean, she's got lots mm. of pictures up of Laura as well, because she's very proud of Laura. Sure. She's achieved a lot. But um, in my house, I, um, I'm actually just moving into my, my new house at the moment, and I'm determined to keep all my discs and awards just to one room, because right. I, just to my office, because I, I don't like it when you go into people's houses and it's like a shrine to them. I find that a bit embarrassing. So what's your new home going to be like? Is it like a six-bedroom detached with a huge garden? Or? <laughs> Stop it. <What? laughs> Do tell. Um, it's my first house, so it, it okay. just... I've always lived in a flat before, so right. um, you know, an apartment. So it's just nice to have my own front door, and I have a, I have a garden, and yes, and just some space. I wanted to be able to have 
space for my mum to, you know, come up and stay and have family come and stay. May we know who you live with? I live on my own. Oh, okay. Are you not in a relationship now? No, I'm single. I've been single for um, just over a year. How hard is it to have a relationship and your career? I think it's very hard if you're if you're travelling a lot. I work a lot in places like Australia and New Zealand, and it's hard enough to sort of keep up a, a long distance relationship. But when you're in when you're in somewhere like Australia, you know you're in it, you're going you might be getting up in the morning, and they're going to bed, and it's a complete you're in a different um, mental state, you know, a different time of the day, and it's sometimes very difficult to you know to be on the same wavelength no matter what. And how hard is it to know that a man isn't after you for your fame and your money? Well, that's the sort of situation that, you know, I'm, that's different now in my life from the last time I was single. So mm. I guess it's something that, um, you know, you have to be aware of. I don't know. Is it ever lonely when you don't have someone special to share your success with? Well, I mean, I have a huge family and lots of friends, and usually they'll come with me to things. So um, there's always, you know, I always am surrounded by, you know, people that I love. So I think... It's all right right now. I'm, I'm actually too busy to to be able to, you know, to really, really miss that. But, you know, you never, you never know what's going to happen. Are there moments, though, when you wish you could be anonymous and live a regular life like everyone else? Um, well, I think there's down, there, you know, there's, there's good, there's good points and, and bad points to everything, aren't there? And, and I think the, you know, the good points far away the bad points. And to what extent do marriage and children one day appeal to you? Oh, I, I absolutely, you know, want children. I, you know, I used to be a teacher, so I really yeah. want, really, really want kids. And, I, you know, my parents were married for, yeah, 15 years. And I don't know, they were together about 10 years before that. So, I, you know, I have a, I've had my really good role models in, in that. And, I, yeah, I definitely want to have a husband and children and, you know, that's in a couple of years' time, I think. <laughs> is, is there a celebrity who you'd consider your perfect man? <laughs> um, well, there, he's not a, it's a character. We, we're just talking about this now. Um, have you seen a program called Grey's Anatomy? No. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a, there's a doctor on Grey's Anatomy called McDreamy. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> he, he's, he's pretty perfect. <laughs> oh. And what's been your most memorable moment meeting celebrities? There are so many, you know, that you in different in different ways. Um, I sang for for Tom Jones's birthday, 60th birthday concert, mm. and um, I took my mum into his dressing room to meet him. And I thought my mum was going to pass out. That was so much fun. <laughs> Do you find him attractive? Um, <laughs> he's a legend to us in Wales, and um, he's amazing. We know we we, we as we're Welsh, we love him, but just. I, I've always been a big fan of him. We'd actually gone as a group of girls um, of the family, my aunties and my cousins, years previous to watching a Cardiff Castle, and then there we were in his dressing room, you know, getting ready to go on stage and just chatting to him. So it's moments like that, or when my, I took all my family to, to meet Parkinson when I went uh. on, on that show and they all met him. And, uh. you know, it's things like that. That's what I, that's, I think one of the best parts of, of what I do is seeing how my family you know, get so excited, yeah. and I think that's what keeps keeps everything real. Is there anyone you haven't met who you'd dearly like to? Oh, lots of people. I haven't yet met Madonna. I'd like to meet her. Um, gosh. I mean, there's a lot of people I'd like to sing with. I haven't yet sung with um, Andrea Bocelli. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely I'd like to sing with him. And uh, maybe Jose Carreras. What about Pavarotti? Did you meet him? I did. I didn't meet him. I was due to sing for him about about a year ago, 
when when he started to get sick, right. and he couldn't ca- he couldn't come. It was a dinner in his honour, and I was due to sing, and um, and so he had to go off to New York to have an operation, and I sadly never you know sort of missed my chance, but a huge huge fan, and just was you know very 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 sad. I read on the internet you were supposed to perform at his funeral. Is that true, or is that just a, a rumour? No, it's a rumour. Okay, <laughs> lots of those on the internet. How much fan mail do you receive? I get about a thousand a month. How much of that is from men? So it's a real mix. I, I think it's fairly fairly well split, actually. Mm. Um, you, you know, some from children. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a real mix. What are the more memorable letters and gifts you've received? <laughs> Catherine, <laughs> what does that giggle mean? <laughs> I get a lot of marriage proposals. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> with photos attached and things. <laughs> Sorry, I've just got... Have some of them been naked photographs or something? Outrageous. Um, not naked, not naked. But <laughs> 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 we, we really get some funny fun mail. Do you? Um, yeah, I get, I get a lot of marriage proposals. I've, I've composed myself again now. And do you I, reply to those? Yes, I do. I reply to every letter I get. And what do you say to a marriage proposal, apart from no? Um, I don't ac- I actually, I feel... Um, you swerve I don't want it. to upset, I don't want to, uh, you know, sort of hurt anyone's feelings, so I, I usually say thank you for the letter mm. and, uh, you know, actually don't make reference, you know, in I- either way, but, that you know, I hope to see them at, at, at something again soon. <laughs> Not at a church wedding, though. <laughs> <laughs> at a concert. And how much of an advantage do you think your good looks have been to your career? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not naive about it. I think it's been a, a part of it that I wanted to use, you know, in a positive way. Like I said, I, I felt like there was, people had, you know, real misconceptions about what opera and classical music was all about. Mm. I've always been interested in glamorous things, you know, like a real girl's girl. And so... This is how I like to be, you know, I, I, like to, I like to dress up and look smart. And so the record company didn't have to create an image. This, this was genuinely how, you know, how, how I, this is how I am. Well, you're obviously um, exceptionally talented, but if you look like the back end of a London bus, do you think you'd have got the same contract? Well, that's what I mean. I mean, I, I was just, tr- just trying to work my way around to that. But um, I think, you know, when I first went into Meet Universal, I think obviously they were looking, you know, for, for a sort of a, a, a package. You know, there is a certain amount of marketing involved. But I, you know, I really hope that, that the, you know, the main thing is, is, is that people enjoy my, my singing and my music. And that, you know, the other part is just, you know, something that's kind of, you know, been used in a positive way. I don't, mm. you know... I, I, I don't want classical music to get to that point where it's all about image. Fair enough. Do you have your own private plane or helicopter? <laughs> Gosh, no. No. You do a hell of a lot of travelling, though, don't you? I do a lot of travelling. Um, um, it, it depends. I mean, sometimes uh, sometimes we'll, you know, if, if I remember once, for example, that I was already due to perform at, um, um, at a concert in the afternoon, and then I got asked to do the G8 concert in Murrayfield. Yes. And... Um, the only way to do both was to get a helicopter in between. Um, so, you know, there have been times where when it's absolutely necessary and I didn't want to let the G8 um, yeah. people down, you know, really wanted to do that show. So, you know, you find ways around it, but gosh, no, I, I, I travel like everyone else. How do you feel about flying, though? Do you get a bit uncomfortable about it sometimes? Um, I used to be really uncomfortable um, about it, but now I fly so often. I mean, the first six months of this year, I was 
out of the country, mm. you know, probably two countries a week. And um, so I'm, I've really become, you know, used to the flying. And also, I think when you're flying over places like Iraq and Afghanistan in helicopters, you kind of, you have to get used to it. So mm. I've, I've faced my fear. <laughs> and how many people work for you and what do they all do? Oh, that's really hard to say who. Um, oh, gosh, I have a manager called Brian. And then I have um, a personal manager who works with Brian Kotara. And then there are, you know, people that work for Brian, but they don't really work for me. So then, you know, like anyone else, you know, I've, I have, um, if I'm going to do a TV show, I'll have a hair and makeup person. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many, you know, I, 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 not that actually work for me, that work mm. with me. Okay. And to what extent do you aspire to the kind of global megastardom of someone like Maria Callas? Well, I definitely want to spend more, more time pursuing, you know, my music sort of internationally. So, like I said, I spent the first six months of this year abroad, and it's been going really well in places like um, Japan and China and Australia and, you know, like that. But next year we'll be sort of more focusing on, on America. And so I think it's something that just, you know, takes time. And I also don't want to desert my fans in the UK, so I'm making sure that I, you know, that I still do, you know, lots of concerts here and still make my album to release here so it's about just finding a good balance it seems very few legends of the entertainment industry don't go off the rails at some point how confident are you that you can remain balanced then um, I, i'm i'm very confident i don't i don't really see why you need to go off the rails <laughs> well people do i mean look at maria Callas. I, I, I know i know people do but i think a lot of it has to do with the person that you were before it before it all happened, and I've just been very fortunate that, you know, I have a really down-to-earth family, and, you know, I go, ho I go home as often as I can, and they, they will stop me if it's ever going to get out of control. How many languages do you speak and sing in, and have you ever sung words you don't understand? Um, I have sung in Italian, French, German, Russian, Czech, Welsh, English, <laughs> um, so seven. Um, I always try, whenever I'm in a new country... I'll always do an introduction to my concert in the language. So, you know, when I was in China, I spoke some Chinese for the first time on live TV. But I think that always shows, you know, shows a willingness to understand somebody else's culture. And how many hours singing practice do you do now compared to when you started out? Well, it's slightly different now because, you know, before was a lot of practice. And, and now I sing most days, um, you know, in some sort of, uh, you know, performance yeah. or I'm learning music. So I'm, I'm singing, you know, nearly every day. And, and some days I have to make sure I take a vocal rest as well. Now, when you sing, you often move people to tears. Has your singing ever had that effect on you? I don't think I'd be moved to tears by my own voice. I think that's, that's a really weird question. Well, no, more, more about the occasion. I mean, if yeah, you're at a Welsh rugby match. Sure, the occasion. Yeah. And when I go, when I go back to, um, you know, to sing at the rugby, and if I haven't, if I've been away out of the country for, for you know, a period of time, when I sing the national anthem, and we usually we have a rehearsal beforehand, so I'll usually get the tears out of the way in the rehearsal. It depends what's going on in in my life as well. You know, if I've been. If I'm particularly upset about something, you know, mm. I'll, I can start singing a song and it can make me cry. I, I remember when I first sang um, O Mio Babino Caro, which is O My Beloved yep. Father, first time in Llangollen in the East Elford when I opened it. it. It really got me because I'd been there with my dad and I just, I honestly was fighting back, you know, choking mm. with tears. So sometimes I have to try and avoid certain songs. You do a lot of charity work and you perform for the troops and so on. Is there anything you've witnessed in those situations shocked or upset you? 
lots. Just to see when you know when you're out in somewhere like Iraq and Afghanistan, you see see you know morale being really low sometimes in Iraq and people missing their families and you know at Christmas you know I witnessed quite a few getting upset about that and yeah I mean that that makes me really really upset because I get to go home to my family for Christmas but they're all doing an amazing job and they're away from theirs so yeah when I came home that had a really big effect on me. And when you meet underprivileged people do you ever feel guilty living such a luxurious lifestyle? I think when you've had when you have success it's your duty to give something back to society and and that's kind of why I'm so so much involved with charities. I'm heavily involved with cancer and Childline and the BFF, the British Forces Foundation. That's why I believe I think when when you've been blessed in life, you have to you have to help others. And in what way have you spoilt yourself, though? What has been your greatest sort of extravagance that you've just done to spoil yourself? Um, I think probably buying my new house. Right. And have you had any begging letters? Do you get them? I, yes, I, I do. I think I think a lot of people sort of in, in the public eye will get things like that, yeah. What do you do with them? Um, I usually write back and, and you know, sort of... I, I think I think it's a very... That's a very difficult, com- you know, sort of topic, okay. you know, because then I try and support a charity rather than, you know, individuals. Sure. I think, it's, I think it has more um, more impact. Do you ever have fears or nightmares about losing your voice? Yeah, I, I, I'm not not about losing my voice, but you know, if, if I'm ill, then then that makes me very unhappy. If my mm. voice is not working as well as it should do, you know, if it's something like like tonsillitis or, um, you know, in that in that, I, I worry if it's a very very big concert that, you know, I'm not going to be able to sing my best. But that's a singer's <laughs> paranoia. And, <laughs> and are there concerns about achieving so much so young? I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I don't think I've had time to take it in because although it's been four years, it's been non-stop. And even with my mum, I've noticed, you know, we kind of, I'm always, I'm always looking forward to the next thing, you know. I might go and do something that's, you know, that's really huge, but then within the next couple of days, I have something else that I need to be learning the music for, you know, getting ready for that. So I think I've always had so much to look forward to that I haven't actually stopped and looked back and thought, wow, you know, gosh, all, all this has happened. And I, I, I think maybe that's why I've been able to stay grounded I think I might freak out if I actually analyse what's happened. And classical artists would appear to have greater longevity than those in other areas of music. How secure do you feel your future is in this business? Well, I think this business is is a very insecure one. I think as you know, as long as I keep um, making music that people enjoy and keep making it for the fans rather than the critics, then you know, then I then I I hope that I'll be lucky enough to keep doing this. And how do you want your future to be? I mean, do you want to stay in the same genre, or, or do you want to do more different things? Or well, I think you know, this, I think this album is a, is a little bit of a change for me in that um, it's more commercial than I've made before. So it's you know half half arias and hymns, and you know what what people would you know would normally expect as in my previous albums. But I've also started to record original songs, still in my vein, but you know, in the kind in sort of still performed in a classical way so um i think really that's probably as far as it will go like i said i i, I don't really want to venture into pop or anything like that uh, my my dream would be within a couple of of years to be able to still be keeping my feet firmly in the classical world you know i've just been singing with placido domingo and, mm. and maestro valerie gergiev and then you know and also being able to make more commercial albums and and, and do the crossover thing as well 
you explained earlier that you admire Placido Domingo. Did you kind of, when you first meet him, did your legs go to jelly? Did he want his autograph? Did you kind of get a bit... Um, you know what, he is probably the nicest man I've ever met. He is so charming. And he is, you know, when we were saying when, when really talented people, they don't need, you know, they mm. don't need to, to act in yeah. any other way. Um, he is just delightful and then when we actually met he invited me to, to Covent Garden to go and hear him sing and we've actually become friends now so oh. um, he's a big inspiration to me because he treats everybody with the same amount of respect. Not long ago your, your life was uh, regressed on the TV series Have I Been Here I Before? Know, how strange. What previous lives emerged and how convinced or disturbed were you by them? I didn't see it see. It was a very strange experience. <coughs> I'd always been quite interested in that type of thing. I didn't know if I believed in it or not. So when I got invited to do it, and actually it was only shown on the telly recently, but we did it over 18 months ago. And the only life that came through was a, was of a far. I was a farmer's wife on the plains in America. Oh right. And it was sort of in an, an arranged marriage, an unhappy marriage, oh. and um, I was very lonely because I was in the middle. I was sort of out in the middle of the no, of nowhere with you know a husband that I didn't really love, and so it was actually quite sad. And how, how convinced were you by it? Well, I, um, I still don't know what I really think about it, other than I seem to quote, I was talking about a lifestyle that I know nothing about. So I don't really know what, I don't really know what to make of that. But it was interesting. It was a, a unique experience. You've not had any flashbacks to that no. life again? No. How would you like people to remember you after you've left this planet? Well, I want people to think I was a good person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good person, um... I could sing quite well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I quite enjoyed my music. I don't know. That's a really hard thing to say. But I hope that I hope that you know the the, the was that I was a I was a, a nice, good person. I think that's the most important thing. Does it matter to you your legacy? I think I guess at twenty seven, it's not something you really think about. I just you know I'm trying to live for for the moment, and um, I don't know. I think just. I, I have so much on it's hard to concentrate on you know things so much later on I think I just like I said as long as people are enjoying what I'm doing right now 